0: This is a first, the first RSPB Bird Notes, a podcast for the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds, for birds, for people, forever. Now that's the haunting call of one of Britain's rarest birds, the bittern. It's hoped it will be heard again soon on a reserve in Oxfordshire, but it may have inhabited a hundred years ago, when man
1: was its main predator. Pretty certain that they would have been in this area, it would have been a very wet site, it would have been an ideal habitat for bitterns. Bitterns were eaten as a Sunday dinner in in some areas, uh, which is quite unbelievable if you think about it nowadays.
0: I'm Jane Markham, and in a moment I'll be out on Otmore in Oxfordshire with RSPB volunteers and local children who are being introduced to the natural wonders of this newly reflooded marshland in central England. It's a
2: hobby. It's a bird flying in the air. He's looking for. No, he's looking for dragonflies. You see them catch him with a claw
0: and then they eat them if they're flying. Plus, we'll be looking at how you can make a difference when we preview this autumn's Feed the Birds campaign.
3: There'll be lots of events around the UK. They're just being organised at the moment and they'll be posted on the website over the summer. But even if you can't get to one of the events, you can actually do something in your garden, you can get something off our website and you can take part. And generally, we get hundreds of thousands of people taking part and making a big difference for birds.
0: And the website address, which is packed full of information and pictures, is www.rspb.org.uk. We've also got a competition, the prize, a copy of the RSPB's Handbook of British Birds by Peter Holden and Tim Cleves. All you have to do is identify this bird. And I'll be giving you more clues later in the podcast. Email your answers to birds at podcats.co.uk. The first correct entry out of the hat on Feed the Birds Day is the winner. The email address, by the way, is printed on the information text for Bird Notes. But back to Otmore. For the best part of 200 years, local farmers dreamed of draining this wetland area in Oxfordshire to produce arable crops. They only succeeded for the first time just 40 years ago, but now it's being returned to its marshy natural state by the RSPB to reinstate a habitat that was disappearing along with the birds that it supported. The other thing that it's vital to encourage, of course, is the passion of the local children, who will one day be the custodians of sites like Otmore. And I joined a group of youngsters on this year's RSPB Family Fun Day. On a brilliantly hot summer Saturday, children from schools around Otmore came, many with their parents, to get an insider's view of the reserve.
4: Moon and Brock. Anybody else? Me. You? Me, Brock. This right...
0: The first part of the reserve was bought by the RSPB in 1997. Part of the site is low, wet grassland, and it's within a river floodplain. Much of the area the children are to see today is normally out of bounds to the public. OK, you have a net, and what you want to do is to find a nice... The first of activity of the morning, bug hunting. The children are provided with modern-day butterfly nets and encouraged to sweep the long grasses for insects that they can then decant into special plastic jars with magnifying glasses in their lids. Shut the net up, put it like that so that nothing can escape... Then you can have a peer in and discover that you haven't (laughs) occurred. It goes down well with the children. Some of the parents aren't quite so enthusiastic.
4: Well, oh, good. that spider's disgusting. Yeah,
0: he,
3: all do
1: is... You know, <laughs> I, know, I do know. not like spiders.
0: And I'm not sure the butterflies appreciate the intrusion. The commas and the gatekeepers managed to go largely unnetted, and the relatively rare black streak butterflies, which are one of Otmore's success stories, kept their distance. None were in evidence today.
1: Oh, no, you've got a meadow grasshopper, uh, we'll meadow one. Uh, The next, next thing we're going to do is pond dipping. Yeah. Do you know, has
2: anybody ever yes. done pond dipping? You have, oh, I mean, Colin Wilkinson
0: is in charge of pond dipping.
2: When you do your there, try not to drag out too much weed. Okay? Many new
0: pools and ditches have been dug, and what is happening below the water is as important as anything that is happening over it.
2: The RSPB uh, protects wild birds and their habitats, and, and of course, but birds don't live in isolation any more than we do. And you need the, these you know, clean water and clean air and good soil, lots of plants, lots of insects. Um, seeds, food, food for birds, yeah, and places to nest. It, it all it all sort of binds together. I've uh, you know, pond dipped in lots of places, and uh, Otmore is one of the best places to come. There's some really amazing things in here water scorpions, and well, we've got frogs and newts today. There's uh, water spiders, all sorts of things. Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, of course. Anything yet? Hello. something large the phone? Oh wow. Oh yes, yes. it could Huge. be that one. No,
1: Huge. Very big fat. We haven't yeah. found it yet, have we? What do
2: we think this is? Put it up
1: against the sheet. How, How many, many legs do got? Six. Yeah. All right. on the six legs yeah. The...
2: So what does that say? Dragonfly yeah. nymph. Yeah. Do you reckon?
4: Hey, oh, okay. look. is it on top of it? Yeah. The baby no, one. Okay. So sorry, you know what? Sorry. You all
2: know what dragonflies are, don't you? Okay. Yeah. You know what? Yes, you all seen dragonflies. See this this big fella, okay. This is the the larvae. This is the young of one of these big dragonflies you might see around. Um, when you walk up to the end here, you keep an eye on the ditches either side of you, and I'm sure you'll see some of these big dragonflies flying up and down. And this is this is what they hatch from. So the. These guys will live under the water for maybe three years. Eat, the big ones will eat tadpoles. They'll even eat, eat sticklebacks if they grab grab one unawares. Yeah, yeah, real, real little dragons.
1: Meat eaters then. Yeah.
0: After the excitement of the pond dipping, it's a longish walk across the middle of the reserve to where a new reed bed is being planted, and the children will be doing their bit. You've actually artificially put some water down here for them to plant today?
2: We have. To make sure it's a safe environment for the children to plant reeds, we've pumped water onto a very dry area so we can easy access.
0: The RSPB's Neil
2: Lampert. So it's an artificial planting situation from our point of view, but within a couple of weeks we can raise the water level so it's nice and wet, so we won't have to keep doing it. Day after day, keep pumping. It'll be a natural flooded area within a couple of weeks.
0: The water management here is is, is quite man-made. It
2: is. We're walk, working within a floodplain that's been totally changed in the past. We've got big flood banks around the outside of our reserve, which stops the river flooding. Those banks were put in by the farmers 25, 30 years ago, so they could turn the land into productive arable land. And ironically, we're using those banks in reverse now to hold the water in.
0: Planting reeds is an ongoing project that has been undertaken by many willing volunteers, all with an end in sight, to encourage one of Britain's most threatened birds, the bittern. Joanna Holt is overseeing today's planting.
4: We've been planting about 25,000 every year for the last five or six years. So this is actually the last year of planting. So as you can see, uh, a lot of planting's been done on the first reservoir, so that's actually finished. It's just to finish off here and then hopefully the reed bed will carry on developing itself and uh, we'll actually have 20 hectares of reed bed here, enough size for one pair of breeding bittern. So plus lots of other birds hopefully that we can attract like bearded tits, marsh Obviously, lots of ducks. Um, it's a fantastic place for wildfowl in the winter, as well. But so the bittern's
0: the real prize, isn't it? The,
4: the bittern would be a fantastic prize, absolutely. So, yeah. He, he was here, or
0: she. I don't know whether you know what sex it was in the winter. We,
4: we don't know what sex it was. no. that they're they're pretty much identical. You only know the sex once the males actually start booming in, the, in, the, in the, the summer when they're um, trying to you know establish a territory and attract um, a mate. So uh, that's when you know that it's the males that boom.
0: So if next summer we, we hear the, the boom, we'll know that the replanting's all been successful.
4: There will be huge celebrations if there is a breeding pair by next year. I think we'd be very, very happy if there's a breeding pair here within a few years. Yeah, so probably not next year. Let the reed get established, you know, let the fish populations establish themselves here because obviously that they need lots of food as well as lots of reed mm. and open water areas and lots of edge. Um so a few years time I think we'll be celebrating here.
1: David Wilding is Otmore's warden. We've actually had two recordings of um sightings of bittern in the in the last few years, last 2003 winter and last year as well in the last winter we had bittern. Um, they only stayed around for a, a few weeks but um, but it was still exciting to have bitten back in Oxfordshire.
0: They're pretty tricky to spot aren't they?
1: Yeah they're quite elusive, elusive birds but um, off, I think the first sighting was actually when we were driving down the diagonal track and somebody actually saw it flying up off the reed bed and then it was suddenly word got out and there was a lot of excitement about it yeah it was really really exciting.
0: Did it get out to bird watchers? I mean, was it, was it, was it pandemonium in that sort of way?
1: It wasn't, it wasn't too bad. I mean, there, there, a lot of people did come along to see it or, you know, to try and see it. Um, so there was a lot of excitement in the area. But we have to try and be careful We're trying to stop people from getting to some areas because we, otherwise we'll scare it away. <laughs> often the only sightings you do get of them is often when they're flying up or something like that, unless you're very, very patient and you watch the reeds for a long time.
0: Now, they're of the Heron family, but what do they actually look like?
1: Um, they're they're kind of brown birds, but they, they, they're very well camouflaged in the reeds. If you Imagine the reeds are kind of, in, in the wintertime, are kind of a golden brown colour and they've got black streaks in them. So they're very similar to reed, reed beds and they're quite well camouflaged. So They're quite difficult to see.
0: Otmore, before it was drained to become farming land, would, would there have been bitterns here 100 years ago?
1: Yeah, pretty certain that they would have been in this area because it would have been a very wet site. It would have been ideal habitat for bitterns. I mean, it is rumoured. I mean, I don't know whether it's for Otmore, but certainly bitterns were eaten as a Sunday dinner in in some areas, um, which is quite unbelievable if you think about it nowadays.
0: So its habitat was drained and we ate the rest for lunch. The poor creature seemed doomed until these more enlightened times. Fingers crossed that they'll be breeding here soon. So close. The final stop on today's trail is on the other side of the reserve, at the They're, viewing screens.
2: Um, the parent bird occasionally comes back with a fish.
0: So those are the two youngsters? Here. Two of
2: them. There's, there's another one which is slightly older, which is, not, which is around the corner at the
0: moment. A family of great crested grebe pose close by to round off the morning's adventures.
3: Oh, it's galanda. Hey, Mum, guess what I just saw? A, grey, a mother oh, grebe a fish
1: to
0: Time now for the walk back to the car park and a view of one There's of the moor's birds of prey. It's a hobby. Yeah. Looking for... Yes.
2: That's, that's no, he's looking for dragonflies. They eat them on the wing... And they, you, you see them clutch them with a, a claw, and then they eat them as they're flying,
1: like you would an ice cream. Nummy. Yummy. Shall yummy,
0: yummy. Delicious. Gillian Deacon, one of the 70 or so RSPB volunteers who help keep the Otmore project going, imparting her enthusiasm to the next generation. And if you're interested in joining the RSPB or becoming a volunteer in your area, then have a look at the website, rspb.org.uk. And let's hope the boom of the bittern will be heard on Otmore soon. Time for another competition clue. Can you identify this bird? He has a red cap and he eats ants. I'll give you another clue later on in the podcast. If you know what the bird is, then email birds at podcats.co.uk. Now, three million bird feeders are left empty every day across the UK. That's according to new RSPB research. Although six in ten of us claim to feed our garden birds... Many of us don't get round to doing it until the frost is on the ground. And that's what Feed the Birds Day in late October is all about. I joined Andy Waters from the RSPB in the park, surrounded by birds enjoying a spot of summer sunshine. And he was keen to urge us to get feeding our garden birds before the weather turns cold.
3: Autumn's the best time to gear up. The chicks are grown, so they'll be looking for food. And it's amazing that when you're sat, perhaps in a park in the summer, you see lots of insects floating around... The birds enjoy those and indeed they feed those to the chicks. But it's very sudden during the autumn that the temperature drops and as the temperature goes, those insects go and the birds become very hungry very quickly. And it's important for the birds also to keep themselves in good condition throughout the winter so that when the next spring comes, they're ready to breed, they can have lots of eggs and they're strong enough to feed the chicks and the cycle continues.
0: So the birds you're talking about, they're eating insects in the summertime. Uh, you're not going to feed them insects in the autumn. I mean, you're talking about peanuts and things?
3: Yeah, largely. I think the, the way that the cycle works is that the birds during the spring, the parents will eat seeds and, and vegetation. But if you think about a young chick when it hatches, it needs lots of protein because it has to grow its body very quickly to become an adult size. And the best way to do that is by eating caterpillars beetles, spiders, all sorts of juicy things that we wouldn't touch. So off the parents go and they'll feed the insects, but they will eat themselves in terms of seeds and leaves, but they don't need very much. A bit like us, we might switch more to salads in the summer, and then we'll go on to the heavier food and the chips during the winter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you put chips out, you'd probably find them pecking away at that, but what what do you recommend, what does the RSPB recommend for for feeding birds?
3: Well, probably the best starting point is a, a good mixed seed mixture, so lots of variety in terms of the seeds that you have in there, and don't forget that different birds have different bill sizes, so you can put out linseed right the way up to rolled wheat, peanuts are very good for a, a wide range of birds. You might even get some woodpeckers coming down, nuthatches coming in as well. And if you want the star of the show, which I always think is the goldfinch, the glamour bird of the garden, then you can put out some sunflower hearts, and they're processed sunflowers where you just put out the heart without the outer coating of the seed, and they love them. So no promises you'll get them straight away, but when you do, who needs to travel to the tropics when you have a bird like that they're wonderful
0: they are so colorful are they? because they've got they're the ones with the red eye and the and the, and the yellow on them as well
3: they do they're absolutely truly amazing birds a bright yellow color a bit like a almost like a canary really but they have some black on their head and this bright crimson uh, cap they are the most stunning birds
0: now we're I mean, talking about feed the birds uh, you said it was a a particular day uh, what day is it
3: it is it's the 29th of October and that's sort of a weekend so there'll be lots of events around the UK they're just being organised at the moment and they'll be posted on the website over the summer but even if you can't get to one of the events you can actually do something in your garden you can get something off our website and you can take part and generally we get hundreds of thousands of people taking part and making a big difference for birds
0: Andy Waters. And all the information about Feed the Birds Day is on the website rspb.org.uk and there are also lots of tips about looking after your garden birds as autumn and winter approaches. And you can see pictures, you can hear the calls and read all about the birds we've talked about on this podcast and just about every other bird you're likely to come across in Britain. Finally, a last clue for the competition to win a copy of the RSPB's Handbook of British Birds by Peter Holden and Tim Cleves. Can you identify this bird? It has a red cap, it eats ants and if it was a rock musician, it would probably be the drummer. And there is a particular sound it makes that we haven't rather sneakily played you. If you know what it is, email birds at podcats.co.uk. The first correct entry out of the hat on Feed the Birds Day will be the winner. And that's it for now. But if you've enjoyed this podcast, do let us know. You can do that from the website rspb.org.uk and click on Contact Us. Or you can email me directly at birds at podcats.co.uk. Yes, same email address as the competition. And I hope I'll be talking to you again Very soon.